This podcast is produced by Clarence Valley Community Church. If you benefit from our ministry and you would like to support us, details can be found at our website, cvcc.com.au. There you can also find out more details about our church. John chapter 21, verse 15 to 21. As I was thinking through the words here in this gospel, what came to mind was how often I've been taught, especially before I was a Christian, that the reason that you often show kindness or an outworking of love towards someone is in order to use that leverage, that friendship that you've built or that love that you've shown, you use that leverage in order to get something from them. I used to be a builder and when I was building, I was the nicest person in the world to the builder who's gonna be paying the invoice at the end of the job and I want more work off him. But if I'm being honest, it's a bit of a shallow and fake facade that we can put on in our lives. I'll show you love so that I can get something back. But this is not the way that our Lord and Savior is. It's a similar, similar relationship though. What he's going to show us here is that the love that he could leverage for himself Instead, he's going to ask others. It's going to go to others, not himself. So selfishly, we may take that type of love, but Jesus is not like us. He's going to leverage the love that people have for him, and he's going to cast it upon others and be a blessing to them. We're going to see that here today. But first, I want to challenge you with a question. Do you love Jesus? It's a simple question, but profound. Do you love Jesus? Does anybody else feel the vulnerability in that? There may be some whose hearts just spring at the hearing of those words. Yes and amen a thousand times. Amen. I love Jesus. Others may feel a a, a pause that I don't love Jesus, but there may be a, 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 a resistance there. And the, the resistance might not be anything of an untoward nature or, or an underlying sin that you've got. But as adults, we get, to, we get to be a bit mature and we get to, you know, sort of grow past certain things. Yet in Sunday school, that's what we're asking the children all the time. They can be lost on us. We become too highfalutin maybe. But it's a simple question. Do you love Jesus? Jesus. I met a man walking when I was walking a dog once, and uh, this was early on in my faith, and I thought, I'm going to try and tell this man about Jesus. This is where this question first came up for me as a new Christian, because as I was walking the dog, I, I nearly got half the name of Jesus out, and he came at me with that love, just exposed, vulnerable, like no hold, no holding back. And he just goes, I love Jesus. Jesus saved me. He is, he is my everything. And I'm there feeling, whoa, like we don't even talk like that at church. Like this guy is just, he's, he's overwhelmed 
by the relationship that he has with Jesus, unashamedly, even to a stranger. He didn't know what denomination I was. He didn't know what my reaction would be to that. But even I felt the, the cringe or the hesitation at that. And after some consideration, I actually realized I was the one that was weird in this relationship. I was the one that was wrong. I'm like, hang on, no, he's having the right response. He's bare, he's open about his relationship with Jesus. He couldn't care less what I think. He's telling me what is dearest to his heart. And it struck me and it challenged me. And I pray it challenges us today. Because Jesus is going to ask Peter this three times in a row. Leading up to this question and before we get to our text. We're, we're here in Israel. Jesus has risen from the dead not too long ago. This is the third interaction that the disciples have with Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus. All promises fulfilled. He has come in the flesh. He has given an eternal body and we're going to share in that life real soon. And this is that third interaction Jesus already breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And this confuses me. Then Peter and the disciples decide to go out fishing. That's fine. You know, I, I had in my mind for some time that they were just up there waiting in the upper room the whole time. But he's like, yeah, let's go out and have a fish. And as they're fishing, a man from the shore cries out, throw the net on the other side. And we've heard that before. They throw the net on the other side, 153 big fish collapse into the net. Peter knows exactly who it is and what's going on, and he dives himself into the water and paddles his way there. He was not waiting for the net. He's not waiting for anything else. He's paddling his way there to get to Jesus. And this is what really speaks to me. The last time these two men met alone, when was it? It was when Jesus looked across at him after he denied Jesus three times. And here's Jesus, a crackling little fire, cooking bread and some fish, ready to share a meal with the man who literally walked out on him when Jesus needed his friends most. That's quite a lot of love. Is that how you would treat someone who betrayed you three times at your worst hour? But that's the situation we're at. And after they finish the meal, this is what comes next. John chapter 21, 15 to 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, the disciples? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself 
and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus is very confronting, extraordinarily confronting. I've not seen this in the scriptures elsewhere, nor have I seen it in literature that we read of of the world of it. I've never seen this. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And there's something in those words that we can miss because of our, uh, the, the English that we speak. Jesus is using a different word for love, and Peter's responding with a different word for love. Jesus is actually saying, do you agape me? Do you love me? Now, agape is a little bit different to the general love. It's a sacrificial love, almost of a divine nature, something God, like godly love, a a godly love that will cause you to continue loving despite the odds. It's an act of will. And one way I could try and explain it is when you've got a child or you've got a partner and you just can't handle it anymore, you've had enough of of your, your husband, your wife, your children, whatever it is, and then... By an act of will, you still decide to love them despite what's going on in front of you. That's like agape love. It's the love that God showed us. Despite us, He loved us. So Jesus says, do you agape love me? Peter responds, Lord, you know I philia love you. It's a different type of love. It's more of a brother-to-brother love, maybe a Jonathan and David type love. It's a, it's a love where it's very close, very well bonded, but it's not quite to the, to the extreme end of agape. And Jesus says again, do you agape love me? And he repeats back, philia love you. You know I do. And then Jesus changes his language and says, do you philia love me? And he says, yeah, philia love you. Now I get it. From Peter's perspective. You know, we understand the modern day tradie. You know, they could be maybe a bit a bit brutish, a bit, a bit hard, strong men. You know, fishermen, even today, those who work on trawlers, they are strong people. This may have been may have been not a time for him. He wasn't ready for the call of Jesus. We also understand from this text that there was three times that Peter denied Jesus, and now three times Jesus is, saying, is confirming the love that possibly wasn't there during that denial. I would go as far as to say that even giving Peter a meal after what he did was agape love. He didn't deserve anything from Jesus. And you would expect Jesus to say something more along the lines of, get on your knees and beg for mercy. How dare you do what you did? I told you you weren't ready to die for me. I told you before the rooster crowed you were going to deny me three times. But this is the first interaction they've had where he directly speaks to Peter and restores him rather than condemns him. 
I hope you feel the restorative love of Christ in your own life. Even as a Christian, we can have bad days. But we've got to be careful how we think Jesus will meet us because it's love that can break us back into walking faithfully with God. Fear is a good motivator to a degree. But love is all the more. Now with this... Jesus is actually fulfilling his words in Luke chapter 22, verse 32 as well. I'll give you a moment to get there. Luke 22, verse 32. Jesus knew that Peter would fall, knew that he'd make some mistakes. But he says, Jesus says, But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus had to come back from the dead in order to restore Peter, in order that he could go and strengthen his brothers and lead the church. And Jesus is fulfilling his own word. The heart of it is this. Jesus challenges Peter to demonstrate his love for him by serving God's people. If you love me, feed my sheep. Tend my flock, feed my lambs. See again, the world looks to get love in order to leverage it to use for their own devices. What does Jesus want with our love towards him? What's he saying to Peter at least? Go and go and love others. Go and look after my people. Go and lead that church. What an amazing friend we have in Jesus. He's so different to us. Peter wasn't possibly quite there yet while he was by the shore, but even becoming frustrated. Jesus, you know I filia love you. You know that. Stop pressing in this area. You know it. But then Jesus says that those interesting words that come next. Remember how he went on and he went on to describe how he was going to glorify God, how he was going to die? And the last words that Jesus said is, follow me. Now, there's something interesting there. Jesus says agape twice, and then the last one, philia. He goes on with what Peter wants to do. All right, you want that brotherly love? That's fine. That's what we've got. But this is how you're going to glorify God. You are going to die. Follow me. What does that mean? That's agape, love, sacrificial love. Peter will come to a place, potentially after the Spirit has come, and he will die sacrificially for his love for Jesus. The church history books tell us that the way that Peter even died was as they were leading him to a Roman cross. The same way his Savior died, he looked at the cross and he felt unworthy to die in the manner of his Lord. And so he asked if he could be hung upside down instead. That's a bit of a change from the man here, isn't it? That's a bit of a sacrificial love that maybe even some of us are cringing at, thinking, where am I at with Jesus? What if he came and asked me, do you love me? 
Like I said, we all of us here would say yes and amen, but would there be resistance? Would there be a holding back? Is it sacrificial love? Is it an act of will love of a divine nature? And I believe that in that moment, as Peter was about to die, these words are ringing through his head. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And you're going to have some days where maybe that needs to be going through your mind as well, some tough days. But at the end of the day, Peter fulfills his words to Jesus from John chapter 13, verse 37. Remember, Peter said he was a tough guy here just before he denied Jesus three times. He says, uh, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Now, he wasn't ready at that moment, was he? Denied the Lord. But Jesus prophesies at the end, you will. You'll get it. You'll follow me where I need you to follow me. There's something quite interesting as well. If you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, 22, Peter himself uses the interplay of this language that I'm describing here. I, I'm, not, I'm just guessing here, but maybe Peter's reflecting back to the time he was there with Jesus on the shore. But he, he uses the same words. He says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, by being given over to Jesus, trusting Jesus, loving Jesus, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love, Philadelphian, remember that's that brotherly love, for each other, love, agapest, agapest, one another deeply from your hearts. He uses both words now. One he wasn't prepared to use. He wasn't prepared to paraphrase Jesus, which is a little bit awkward because if someone says, I love you, you're meant to say, I love you back. You don't change the word. I like you too. No, you don't do that. You get in trouble. But here he's using both. He's saying, you've come to faith. You have brotherly love, but deeply from your heart, deeply from your heart, Love as a sacrifice, love as a sacrifice, love as an act of your will. The challenge today is, will you, like Peter, leverage your love for Jesus right to where he told Peter to go, for the love of the people, the love of my people? The scriptures are replete with what we are to do as Christians, and that is when we trust in Jesus, we are to also have an outpouring of love for our brothers and our sisters, and that can very easily be lost on a society that is systemically singular and individualistic, but that is the life and community that Christ has called you to, to love one another. Delay love or agape love? I want to go a step further. When we look at the love that God has shown us, I just want to just hear me out here. What do we want more than our sins paid for? What do we want more than knowing the existence of God? And what do we want more than eternal life? 
These things are all really great, really great. But what do we want more than those? We want to be loved. Let me explain. Why was your sins paid for? Because God loves you. Why is it most comforting to have and know God's existence? Because He is love. What is our joy in eternal life? To be loved for all time and forevermore. Allah can counterfeit similar promises, but he doesn't love the poor Muslim. The gods of, the, uh, the gods of Hinduism could claim to offer these and more, these promises and more, but they have no divine love for those who follow them. The atheist can drive God away by philosophical arguments and pseudoscience, yet even these hollow out the soul with delusions. There's no love. These are creaturely systems. See, demons and man cannot consistently counterfeit the heart of the Lord, for only he can remove the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Only he can call that which is dead in us to life and faith in the Son. We don't want just God's gifts. We don't want the good things of God. We want God. Do we remember that Jesus was very vulnerable when he came in the flesh? He came as a little baby and they had to escape because the soldiers were going through to destroy all the babies, all the young toddlers, to crush the rule of the king of Israel. Jesus was so vulnerable he couldn't even save himself at that moment. It was his parents that had to whisk him away. But I want to say that the things that I'm speaking about here actually bring about a vulnerability in us because what I'm asking is that you leverage your love for Jesus onto those whom Jesus loves, but that is going to expose you, isn't it? You are going to be left open for abuse. You're going to be left open to be hurt. And if any of us have loved anybody for any length of time, we know that that's happened to us. And it's generally those that are supposed to be closest to us that really do the most damage. And I want to put it to you in a, in a bit of a story like this, because guess what? People are going to let you down. God's people may even let you down. And that's going to leave you exposed, as I said, leave you vulnerable. There was a high school cleaner, and he had to do his work during school hours, and this was a bit of a lower socioeconomic area that he worked in. And man, these kids were ruthless, abusing him because of his lowly job, abusing him because of his age. These kids, fresh off the block, got the whole world ahead of them, and look at this good-for-nothing, worthless cleaner. And he'd get mocked. He's even been spat at before, bags thrown at him. And you would think to yourself, well, why doesn't he just throw it all in? Why put up with that? But the reason he does is because back home, he's got a beautiful little family that he loves. 
And he needs to be in that place and earn that money so that he can support them. And that's his focus when he's being abused. He lets it wash off like water on a duck's back because he's looking towards his home. And this is what Jesus is going to have to expect of us. And if we're not going to get too tied up on this earth and what people do to us and how they feel about us, but look more towards where we're going. We're going home. We're going to be with Jesus soon. And he's saying, just keep that focus there. You love me where I am. Go and serve. Go and love them. And if we do that, I feel that we will be able, if we keep our focus set on Jesus, we will be able to be vulnerable enough to be impactful in each other's lives. If we keep the focus here and on my own pride and on my own issues and the own, my own things that I need, guess what? I'm never going to be able to open up enough in order to be of any heavenly good to anyone else. It's too much risk. I might get hurt. But someone who's looking ahead to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm not doing this for them. Ultimately, I'm doing it for you. They are the ones that have power in love. Now, imagine how that would change your gospel proclamation. Like that man I met walking dogs. How powerful is the gospel proclamation when you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ and you're mindful of it unashamedly in love with him as he commanded Peter to be with him? How would that make the world seem so dim? My own, my own needs, my own desires, my own flesh. Forget it. I'm looking to Jesus. But also you might even say, well, maybe I don't, I don't have a place. What do, I, what do I bring to the church? What do I do? I don't have any giftings. You know what? If you love your family enough, you always find a way. You, you, you'll make a way. You'll start your own ministry. To serve and love the people here. So my challenge to us today, just as I finish up, I just want you, to, I just want to leave you with this. My challenge for you today is to find a place in your heart for God's people, as Christ made a place for you in His heart. John thirteen thirty four, a new command I give you: love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Do you love Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, we are compelled by the love of your Son to keep pressing forward, Lord. This world is hard, and you have called us to get alongside one another, to love one another, and to serve one another, Lord. And so I ask, Lord, that you would supernaturally empower us to understand the love that you were calling Peter to as he was leading the church. Father, we may not be leading churches, but Father, you've given us a mission. You've given us the care of the people that are around us. And so, Lord, please be with us, Lord. Let us be those beacons of light to a lost world, but let us also uplift up ourselves, others who are struggling through this life, as we're waiting to go home. In Jesus' name, amen.